2020 was a year unlike any other in the 40-year history of the HIV-AIDS pandemic. The COVID-19 pandemic poses geopolitical threats to progress in the field and has impacted many of the systems in place meant to combat HIV. As the COVID pandemic continues into 2021, unprecedented disruptions, social and economic instability, fear of accessing health facilities, and impacts on current HIV programs force the global health community to reassess how to adapt, protect, and sustain progress. In this podcast, we will speak to experts, community leaders, and people living with HIV about the progress towards meeting HIV targets under this new COVID reality and the future of health security in low- and middle-income countries. I'm Catherine Bliss, and this is AIDS 2021. Hello, and welcome to the AIDS 2021 podcast. My name is Janet Fleischman, and I'm a senior associate with the CSIS Global Health Policy Center. Today's discussion will focus on the most important biomedical tool for HIV prevention, pre-exposure prophylaxis, or PrEP, a highly effective antiretroviral drug that has been shown to dramatically reduce HIV acquisition in people at risk. PrEP is also an important tool for adolescent girls and young women, referred to as AGYW, especially in the high-burden countries in Southern and Eastern Africa. These young women are at substantially higher risk of contracting HIV than their male peers, and represent some three-quarters of new infections among young people in the region, driven by social and economic factors and gender inequality. Yet increasing PrEP uptake for AGYW has proven challenging, highlighting the importance of raising awareness about their risk of HIV, developing new approaches to demand creation, addressing the stigma often associated with PrEP, and meeting the need for youth-friendly and non-judgmental support around PrEP, information, and adherence. These challenges show the critical need to rethink how to increase PrEP access for AGYW. Our episode today focuses on understanding the importance of PrEP for AGYW and highlights innovative approaches to better reach them and to address the inherent challenges. To do this, we're bringing you excerpts of conversations we've had with three important voices providing different angles on PrEP. First, we'll hear from Mitchell Warren, the Executive Director of AVAC, which works to accelerate the ethical development and delivery of HIV prevention tools. And then we'll hear from two women working with the Vitz Reproductive Health and HIV Institute in South Africa. Kanyi Sakwacha, a 26-year-old PrEP ambassador and a demand creation officer for a mobile clinic. And Almarie Bredenhan, a senior project manager focusing on innovative ways to use social media to communicate with young women about PrEP. I'm Mitchell Warren. I'm the executive director of AVAC, an organization that focuses on HIV prevention, both developing new products and delivering them. Thank you so much for joining us. We want to begin with understanding more about pre-exposure prophylaxis, PrEP. What is it exactly? And why is it so important for adolescent girls and young women, particularly in some of the high burden countries in sub-Saharan Africa? PrEP is a drug. We often think of it as one of these oral pills. I, though, look at PrEP as much more of a program because it really gets to how do we help translate efficacy in a clinical trial 
into effectiveness and public health impact for individuals and communities. And that's when you have to go from pill to program. In many ways, we still think of it as a new intervention, but we've known again that it, it works for 10 years, first approved by the US Food and Drug Administration now eight years ago, and approved initially in Africa, Kenya and South Africa, the first two countries to approve it in Africa, more than five years ago. Uh, and yet it's still somewhat of a novel approach. And it's interesting too, because PrEP is now a, it's a bigger term in many respects. So, so the first idea of PrEP was oral pre-exposure prophylaxis with tenofovir-based drugs that you take every day. And we now know from a whole range of studies that if you take this pill every day, you have a very, very high level of protection in excess of 90% protection. So when you think about trying to apply that to the context of adolescent girls and young women and the risk they face, particularly in sub-Saharan Africa and Southern and Eastern Africa in particular, what is the context of PrEP, in introduction of PrEP, rollout of PrEP, and the challenges that are being faced by those programs to reach the girls at risk? So, you know, one of the things that I think we've learned over the last several years is that they're, they're almost two parallel universes of, of PrEP programming. If you take it from the perspective of whether it's the policymaker or all of us, you know, public health professionals, we start with this idea that, oh, there are people at risk and we have something that can help them stay HIV uninfected. Let's find those people at risk and convince them of their risk and get them to take a pill every day. And that's the world that many of us live in as health professionals. And that's not the world of someone, a young woman or, or anyone else, as a potential user of PrEP. And we and many others have now done a lot of work over the last couple of years to try to understand the context of PrEP programs. And, and we know something now with even greater detail and specificity than we've known anecdotally for decades. And that is that, spoiler alert, young women's biggest risk and biggest fear is not perceived to be HIV. And we've known that for a really long time. It goes and back describe what they what their big concerns are then. And, and, and you know, what we do know is people are, young women particularly, concerned about their relationships. Uh, that's relationships with their partners, but it's also relationships with their peers, relationships with their communities, relationships on many different levels. They're concerned about falling pregnant, much more likely than they are about getting HIV. So we are coming at them with messages that say, you're at risk of HIV and we have something to protect you. And the young woman is hearing it and saying, that's not my experience. That's not my concern. That's not what I perceive in practice, figuring out how to reorient HIV programs, how to reorient comprehensive sexual reproductive health programs is something that we've long struggled with. And we've talked a lot about that integration, You know, something we've talked about for 30 plus years. Now's the time to get this right. It's well past time to get it right. Maybe you can tell us, to begin with, a little bit about your story. Why did okay. you want to become a PrEP ambassador? My name is Kanyesa Kwacha, and then I'm 26 years old now. But when I started, I was 25 years old. So I, I did an ambassador training. It was last year, 2019. Then I've been an ambassador since then. So what I do also, I'm a demand creation officer and also the driver of the mobile clinic. By the mobile clinic, I mean the clinic that goes out to reach AGYW, wherever they are, we go in there. 
And then what we do when we are there, we educate them about SRA services from PrEP, family planning, HIV testing, STI treatments, and all of those. Then after we educate, we make sure that they get access uh, to those services immediately in the mobile clinic. In terms of your story and protecting yourself from HIV, what do you tell other young women about why your journey brought you to PrEP? What was it about the risks you saw around you, the situation you faced that made you feel that PrEP would be an important option for you? So as much as I love my partner, I don't know what is my partner doing 24-7 when I'm not there. Not saying that I don't trust them. I do trust them. But then it was about owning up to myself, saying that, Kanye, what are you doing, Wayna, about your life? So that's how my personal story came about in using PrEP. The information, it's there for me. Not like before, whereby I didn't know about these things. I'm exposed to these things. I know how life it is. I know what is happening. Like right now in South Africa, like we have gender-based violence. So it was like, what if I go outside and then I get raped or something like those kind of stuff. And that's when I decided that, you know what, I should also just protect myself from HIV. That doesn't mean that by taking PrEP, it means that maybe there is trust issues or what, what. But then we know that mistakes can happen to everyone. So it was like, okay, if that mistake does happen, then it means that I'm protected. What I love more about PrEP is that uh, no one is forcing me to take it. I took that decision. And then, you know, when you have chosen something for yourself, it's very easy to not go out of your way. It's very easy for you to stay in that lane, knowing very well, why am I doing this? What was the reason that made me start to do this? So, yeah, it's all about that. My name is Almarie Bredenhan, and I'm a senior project manager at the WITS Reproductive Health and HIV Institute. The social media outreach and the mobile app that your team has developed really show how innovation can provide information and support for PrEP for adolescent girls and young women. And the scale is impressive. You've noted that the social media views on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram jumped from about 50,000 in February, pre-COVID lockdown, to almost a million in April. But I'd like to learn more about the mobile app. Can you describe what it does and the process of engaging young people to design it? A while ago, we had this idea that we wanted to create a mobile app that would help young women who initiate on PrEP to continue with their PrEP taking. And so we had the whole theory behind it. We looked at what the evidence was saying. You know, our, our vision was that there would be pull reminders. There would be quizzes that builds knowledge. There would be sort of clinic schedules on the mobile app that it would be easily programmed and, and quite small and not take up a lot of data on your phone. So we had all of these ideas and we thought, this is great. And we took it back to the young people and they said to us, ah, yeah, it's, it's okay, but, but where's the fun part in it? Um, and we said to them, well, okay, what would you consider to be fun? And they said, well, we download apps because we play games. So why don't you add a game to it? And then we'll be interested in it. 
And so we sat down with them and we developed this, this whole journey whereby if you download the app, when you've initiated on prep, yes, you're going to get your full reminders and all of those important things and we're going to get, collect data, but there's also, you get to choose a character and this character goes on the journey. And the more the character interacts with the app and the more the character completes data surveys or do knowledge building quizzes or respond to pull taking reminders, this character gets rewards. Like for instance, a new hairstyle or a new jacket or a new cap. And you said there were also challenges. What are some of the challenges you're facing? Number one is that not all young people have smartphones. And a lot of them may have a smartphone, but it's a really old smartphone that doesn't support app technology. And then the other thing is that when young people sort of do have a smartphone that can support this kind of app technology, then space on their phone is always an issue. We knew that some of them sort of wouldn't want the app or that their phone wouldn't be up to date. So we accommodated for that by making a paper-based version. But what we didn't envision is that young people with a smartphone wouldn't have even 15 megabytes of data available, free space available on their phone to download the app. So that's definitely a lesson learned. I guess one of the things that was so striking about my last trip to South Africa in 2019, and many others have commented on it, was this sense of almost complacency about HIV, that it has become less of a concern, that it's so ubiquitous. Do you see that using these new platforms and technologies to reach young people is a way to break through some of that, or is it a way to, you know, to the extent that it is normalized in some way, that it at least is empowering them with the information and the tools to act on it as they see fit. We still need to focus on this. We haven't stopped new infections yet. And so I do think that it's making a difference. And it's very interesting. I was uh, at a parent dialogue in um, Harankua on Sunday, where we met with a number of um, mothers of adolescent girls and young women. And we wanted to specifically talk to them about PrEP and about their daughters possibly using PrEP and that they wouldn't have to hide it and that they could feel supported by their mothers. And, and it's so interesting because one of the mothers stood up and said, you know, our daughters don't have to live the same life that we did. And right now, if we come together and we support them, and we make sure that we have this open conversation with our daughters about HIV, then, you know, we can make a difference in their lives. And they don't have to walk the same road that we walked. And they don't have to deal, you know, with the same issues, like not having family planning and always being anxious about that or always being afraid of HIV. And so I do think that Project PrEP is playing its part in that and is making a difference. And we are seeing in the communities that different communities require us to do different things. Turning back to Mitchell, we wanted to discuss the new prevention technologies that are emerging in addition to PrEP. Could you take a minute to describe some of the new products that are coming online or on the horizon? Gabotegravir, the Depibering Ring, um, some very exciting new prevention technologies. Can you explain what they are and what lessons uh, the introduction for those products might be able to learn from what we've been through with PrEP. 
Absolutely. You know, it's interesting when you look back on the last nine months, uh, obviously it's seemingly been all COVID all the time, but it's actually been the most dynamic period in HIV prevention research really in 40 years of HIV prevention. And I think we sometimes forget that because everyone rightly, and we all are still focused on what the implications of COVID are. But if you just look back on the last few months, we saw in July, the first regulatory opinion for the Depivering Vaginal Room. This is a product that has been in development for a number of years and excitingly led by the International Partnership for Microbicides, so a nonprofit product developer who's been focused for 20 years now on developing products that women might want and use. And they have a product that a woman would insert in her vagina and it would slowly release depivirine over the course of a month. And depivirine is another antiretroviral agent, so different than tenofovir, but in a different class of drug. And we now have multiple trials that have shown us that this product is also safe and effective. It's also very adherent dependent. So you have to use it and keep it in um, to get the benefit. And this is not unique. Every product that we know of in biomedicine works if you use it. So with oral prep, you have to take it every day. With the depivering ring, you need to leave it in every month. And, and so we are looking forward in the next month or two to uh, WHO guidelines around the depivering ring as an additional option in addition to oral prep. And we think sometime in the early part of 2021, one or more national regulatory agencies in Africa might approve it. And then right around the same time that that decision by the European Medicines Agency came in July, also in July at the AIDS conference that went virtual in, in well, it wasn't meant to be in California, had the presentation of data from uh, one of the trials of cabotegravir. In an incredibly exciting moment on November 9th this year, we've just learned that the injectable cabotegravir, which you get every two months, um, shown to be safe and effective amongst gay men and transgender women in May, now this week shown to be safe and effective in women at risk of infection. This is a huge advance in extending our range of options. We've had oral prep and those programs continue. We are talking a lot about the depivering vaginal ring as an additional choice. And now we can offer even a third choice when it's approved by regulators in another year or so of an injection. Um, that means more options, more personal choices, hopefully, if we do our, our jobs well. And that means greater public health impact and fewer new infections amongst young women if they have that array of choices. You've got to go to understand that for someone, anyone, a young woman in East and Southern Africa, a young gay man in Brazil or the United States, anyone, anywhere to take a pill every day or every time you think you might be at risk is not easy. And it's very different than therapy. So these programs have got to think about how do I meet people where they are? And, and we know prevention is hard. I think of every one of these products as an important addition. None of them replaces the other. Oral prep did not replace condoms. The depivering ring is not gonna replace oral prep. Cabotegravir is not gonna replace any of the other methods. We need more options and we need those options to be real choices. As a prep ambassador, I wanted to ask Kanye why she saw prep as an important tool for young women's empowerment and for their future. What gives you the most hope? What, what makes you feel that, as you said at the beginning, that this is a tool that gives young women power, that it is a way that's gonna, something that's gonna help them reach their own goals and dreams? It gives me hope that little by little, our young girls 
like they are learning to put themselves first. They are learning to take control of their lives first. Like they are reaching out for their goals. And like right now they are strong about what they want in life. The girls now, they are taking up power and them saying that if my boyfriend does not want to use condom, then I'm definitely going to stay on PrEP. If my boyfriend does not want to get tested, then I'm, I'm definitely going to stay on PrEP. And then like also hearing them say that I'm doing this for myself. I'm doing this for myself as a young girl. I don't care what the guy says or what the guy do, but then I'm doing this for my future. So that like really encourages me a lot. Thanks for listening to this episode on PrEP. While we know that PrEP is highly effective in preventing HIV infection and has enormous potential for keeping at-risk AGYW free from HIV, Scaling up PrEP programs and ensuring uptake and adherence by AGYW has been regrettably slow and challenging. Without increased investment in PrEP and a concerted focus on understanding and addressing the social and structural barriers they face in accessing PrEP, this important tool will continue to be underutilized. And global goals to end HIV as a public health threat will not be achievable unless AGYW can access the full range of prevention interventions which has to include robust PrEP programs. If we fail to advance this work, AGYW will continue to suffer a disproportionate burden of HIV, especially in Sub-Saharan Africa. Thank you for listening to AIDS 2021. To learn more about CSIS's research on the global fight against HIV AIDS, go to CSIS.org and look for the Global Health Policy Center program page.